0: Hello First Years, welcome to the second podcast that I'm going to be doing for you. This one centres around book 17. It works best in conjunction with the cheat sheet that I'm going to be emailing out to you, but can be done separately. We will be looking at Patroclus, Menelaus, Greater Ajax, Hector, Role of the Gods, Homer's portrayal of war, the idea of tension, the horses and of course a little shout out to Aeneas. I make no apologies for being absolutely 100% obsessed with Aeneas. So we will be talking about him. So the first thing I'd like to do is start off by looking at Patroclus. Obviously, he's dead, but his body still has a major impact on the story. His body has in fact become the greatest symbol of honour that the war has seen so far. Not only was his final effort in battle immense, but he is well known to be the companion of Achilles and both sides recognise what the capture of his body would mean to Achilles. His body is important because it is a body of someone who is cared for, but also because of the armour as well. And I really want to just stress that it was Achilles's armour. Therefore, it is going to be exceptional armour. We'll come back to that later on. So, Patroclus is dead, but he's still incredibly important to things like the plot of the poem and themes such as fighting and the role of fate. He's also going to help develop our characterisation. Um, In this instance, not Achilles, that's going to come later, but much more secondary characters like Menelaus, Hector and Greater Ajax. This all is wrapped up in the idea of what we call the Patroclus effect, the idea that he as a character affects change in others. In book 16 he has a direct influence on Achilles and this increases as the poem continues, um, eventually helping Achilles achieve some form of humanity. But in book 17, he's having an influence and effect on others. He gives Menelaus the chance to shine. He gives Greater Ajax the chance to shine. But he also reveals Hector to be that true Homeric hero that we saw first starting to come out in book 16. So he as a character can be thought of as someone you can use from book 17. One of our other main characters uh, in book 17 is, of course, Menelaus. And this is his book. I would disagree that he's the star of this book. I would say that that was probably Patroclus or even Fate. But in terms of action, he is the hero. He has killed Euphorboas and he's the one that starts the defence of Patroclus' body. And it's really interesting that he's the one that sees that Patroclus is dead. Nobody else. And a lot of that's to do with the fact that other warriors are not on the field because they're injured. This is in a direct contrast to how we saw him in book six, when he was willing to show mercy to Adrestus and had to be convinced by Agamemnon to kill Adrestus. This idea is uh, further promoted when he inspires the troops and proves deadly in battle. He does kill a lot of people. The idea of the warrior is furthered even more by several extended metaphors and similes including Menelaus's mountain lion which brings us really nicely back to book three when he was also described as a predator animal when he was just about to duel with Paris in book three. However, more consistent with the Menelaus we have seen in other books, particularly six and ten is that he does abandon the body. Now while is a reasonable sensible thing to do a horde of bloodthirsty trojans led by their greatest fighters bearing down on you you'd run but in terms of the Homeric ideal it's not because the Homeric ideal says that you should stay and fight for the body and this is wrapped up in the idea that menelaus doesn't seem as fussed about gaining cleos as other heroes do There are multiple reasons for this. One might be because he is secure enough in himself and his legacy that he doesn't feel he needs it. Um, The other more prevalent theory would be that the aim of him being or the purpose of him being at Troy is to gain Helen back and has nothing to do with fighting or proving anything else. He just wants his wife back and that might have a bearing on how he's uh, portrayed. In conjunction with this, we can also talk about Greater Ajax. Ajax jumps straight into helping Menelaus when he is asked. And what's really nice is that Homer compares him to being the next best, only outshone by Achilles. And that's quite an accolade. Everybody knows that Achilles is the best fighter of his generation. So to be called the second best proves how good you are. It's a great testament to his strength and heroism that he is the one to fight off the Trojans while Menelaus and Meriones carry off Patroclus' body. By doing this, by carrying the body, there are too few fighters to support Ajax. So, over the course of the day, Ajax proves that he is one of the great heroes. However, he cannot be the best because we know that accolade has to go to Achilles. This then brings us on to the idea and character of Hector. So, as we've said, Menelaus is a really strong fighter. The Greeks clearly need uh, greater Ajax. But Hector is the one that's leading the charge. He's the one that everyone is now super scared of. However, this is all gearing up towards the great showdown between Achilles and Hector. Hector dons Achilles' armour, the one that Patroclus is wearing, a symbol of his glory in killing Patroclus, and offers a huge treasure for Patroclus' body. Hector fully realises the body's significance to Achilles. Now, in that awful, terrible film, Troy, uh, Eric Banner as Hector goes, Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was you. I had no idea, and I want to make it really clear. Menelaus, 100% knew who he was killing and knows exactly what he's doing when he takes the armour. In Book 6, we get this really nice, kind of soft family man Hector. And throughout Books 16 and 17 in particular, we do get to realise that although he has those attributes to his character, he is at his core like every other Homeric humer- hero. He wants to gain glory. The best way to gain that glory is to strip Patroclus's body of the armour And he is allowed to, in terms of the Homeric Code. He is the one that delivered the death blow. So unlike Euphor Boas, who tried to take it, even though he didn't really have a claim, Hector administered the killing blow and so deserves that armour. What's really interesting is the fact that Zeus says then that Hector has improperly stripped the body. Now, in terms of the Homeric Code, That goes against what we've been told. But if Zeus says you've improperly stripped the body, then that's kind of law. That's why he only grants temporary supremacy and says that Hector will very much pay for his acts, which he will do in book 22. The other thing that we can talk about in relation to Hector and the gods is this the first time within the poem, really, that we've seen him being signalled out by Apollo. He's clearly a favourite of him. And Apollo is the one who convinces him to fight for Patroclus' body. We have seen Hector and Apollo before in art. Uh, If we think back to the Berlin painter who did Achilles and Hector Memnon, Hector is clearly shown uh, with Apollo on the rim of that uh, painting on the neck. So we knew that it was coming but it's quite nice to actually see it written down in words and this is something that we're going to be talking about with our next slide which is role of the gods. So Apollo really gets involved in the fighting. He helps uh, so panic into the Greeks, helps Hector and inspires Aeneas. However you can't have one without the other. So Athene realises what her brother is doing and goes no i don't think so i am also entitled to help as well and really apollo and athena are the two gods that interact the most yes we had aphrodite in book three here is always mouthing off zeus has got lots to say but in terms of actually doing things this really does revolve around apollo and athene so athene gets involved with helping the greeks taking the form of phoenix and breathes fresh strength into menelaus revived menelaus then kills a close friend of hector apollo and athene can be seen as a metaphor for the whole greek versus trojan conflict and ultimately the achilles versus hector conflict each championing their favorites until zeus and fate make their decision the other thing we can talk about here in term of role of the gods is zeus So as I've said, Zeus says that Hector has improperly stripped the body and he has granted him only temporary supremacy and that he will pay for it. He also helps out the Greeks here by spreading a mist. And again, this is him kind of showing that he is neutral. Okay, I've helped Hector. So to balance out the scales, I must go and help the Greeks. Um, he also shows another sign to his character by showing that he loves the animals with breathing life into the horses. Although some people would say he does that because he doesn't want Hector to have uh, Achilles's divine horses. This then brings us on to the next slide, which is Homer's portrayal of war. And book 17 is one that you can really use, um, especially in conjunctions with book 3, uh, 6, 10 and 16 and then later 22 in particular. Let's start with what happened in the first 69 lines then which is the death of Euphor Boas. It shows several key ideas around the idea of the portrayal of war. Firstly, he is another victim and I would just like to note that on the Trojan side um, he is one of many the Greeks have only had one significant death. I know both sides have got... A whole list of people who've who've ki- been killed but really in terms of significant characters the greeks have only had one the other thing i want to talk about is how Euphorbos's death is described it's in lots of detail particularly with the added detail of how his hair as lovely as the graces is now drenched in red there's also that nice connection back to his parents who've now lost both their sons having both been killed by menelaus The fighting in this book is perhaps the most intense that we've seen within the poem with Greeks and Trojans both fully engaged and lots and lots of people dying to the point where Homer himself says the earth was soaked with crimson blood and men fell in heaps. Both sides are encountering heavy losses and shows how close in battle they are and with the death of Patroclus how potentially no one is safe. The fighting between Hector and Greater Ajax is something else we can talk about It shows a pattern that's come through the poem, pitting two of the strongest of each size fighters against each other repeatedly. The big difference here being that Ajax is always destined to be a lesser hero than Achilles. So he fights Hector to a standstill and doesn't get killed by Hector, but also cannot kill Hector. Of course, because as we know, that's almost at this point Achilles' birthright. Within Book 17, I also wanted to talk about uh, some of the literary techniques that we encounter. So, as I've said, we've had listing, um, extended metaphors and similes, backstories, epithets by the bucket load. But really, Book 17 is a lesson in tension. One of the ways that Homer does that is right in the middle of the fighting, just as we're getting into the action sequences, he cuts away from the battle and goes and sees what Achilles is doing. So in the middle of all that fighting, he goes and talks about how Achilles has no idea that Patroclus is dead. This is a great way for Homer to remind us that Achilles is not fighting and that the death of Patroclus is indeed this significant event. It also tees up um, what's going to be happening when Achilles does find out the news. Uh, This is again seen at the end of book 17, with Antilochus being dispatched to tell Achilles the news essentially while book 17 has significance in plot and is realistic and i use sarcastic quote marks when i say realistic um, in showing us the aftermath of death its real purpose is to elongate the tension as we the audience wait for achilles to find out and see what is going what he is going to do because we know it's going to be extreme okay agamemnon took away his toy in briseis he went to his mum and asked him to help the Greeks lose. Can you imagine how he's going to react at the death of his best friend? What we also need to talk about then um, is a special shout out to the horses. Uh, Achilles' horses are a sign of his close relationship with the gods, as he himself is semi-divine. The battle between Automedon and Hector signals a moment of preparation for Achilles' appearance as Achilles' special horses must be rescued before Achilles can head into battle. If you're wondering why we have so much uh, love for the horses, A, because horses are cool and B, because they are a central part of the time that Homer is writing in. Homer's writing in the 8th to 7th century. He's living in a time where farming and therefore horses are vital horses are also a great way for messengers to get messages from kingdom to kingdom they are a massive part of their life so it makes sense that they would feature a little bit more heavily than the poor oxen that we've seen throughout the poem we can also talk about in relation to the horses their reaction how again it signals how important patroclus was and the impact he has he is so beloved that even the horses are crying for him This again foreshadows Achilles' reaction. If the horses are crying, what on earth is he going to be like? I would like to end our look at book 17 with a special shout-out to my boy Aeneas. Now, why do I keep going on Aeneas? Essentially, because I wrote my entire dissertation at university on him. I am obsessed with him. He is going to be the main hero of our Roman epic, the Aeneid. So Homer takes a minor character and then makes him the star and it entangles that with the idea of the birth of Rome. So, in book 17, Aeneas pops up again. He is rallied by Apollo and helps with the fighting, showing that he is himself a decent warrior by killing Leocretius. What's also quite important is that he's always shown either near, next to, or conversation with Hector, and that's going to have a massive impact on when we start looking at the Aeneid with book two, with the pause talk excuse me, with the passing of the torch between Hector and Aeneas, the protector of Troy. So that's our look at book 17. I hope that's cleared up a few things for you and I will be doing one for you shortly, looking and focusing on the shield of Achilles, which we'll be reading in book 18. Thank you.